This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore and the Catholic Review. Father Thomas Gills, who grew up at St. Clement Mary Hofbauer Parish in Rosedale, has devoted much of his priestly ministry to serving as a military chaplain for the U.S. Air Force. He went on active duty right after the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, and some of his assignments have included serving at several military bases in the United States and overseas, including in war zones. Father Gills also spent five years as a chaplain to cadets at the U.S. Air Force Academy. On today's show, we talk with Father Gills about his military chaplaincy, as well as his transition to civilian life as the pastor of St. Peter the Apostle and St. Peter at the Lake Parishes in Western Maryland. Here's our conversation with Father Thomas Gills. Father Tom Gills, thanks for being here on Catholic Review Radio. It is great to be with you, George. What drew you to ministry as a military chaplain? How did you select the service and get involved in military chaplaincy? Well, let's go way back. When I was a kid, I always loved God. Um, From, I guess, about the age of three, I wanted to be uh, a priest. And I told everybody, when I grow up, I'm going to be a priest. So... (laughs) I had a great love of God because uh, I went to church um, daily uh, with my grandmother, and I also loved my country. Uh, I grew up uh, age of six, seven, eight, always uh, respected the flag, always interested in how our country was being run, even at a very young age, and always interested in participating in in whatever uh, military or patriotic Uh, ceremonies uh, were being held. So right out of high school, I entered the United States Navy. And as a computer programmer, I served for four years. Then I went into formation for priesthood. And uh, after ordination, served five years in a regular parish, and then uh, petitioned for permission to enter the United States Air Force because I've always loved to fly. Mm -hmm. So I was given permission to be a reservist, and I served at Andrews Air Force Base and really enjoyed that ministry up until, as a reservist, up until uh, 9-11. I was mobilized uh, onto active duty and then pursued uh, the rest of my career as a chaplain uh, on active duty in various parts of the world. What were some of your typical duties with the men and women you served as a military chaplain? One of the things I really enjoyed, George, was um, I I got to minister to a wide range of uh, airmen, uh, Marines, Coast Guardsmen, soldiers, and I really, really enjoyed the fact that when I gave an invocation, for example, at a mandatory formation, uh, it included just about everybody, including like Muslims and and uh, others 
who perhaps didn't practice any faith. And it was always an opportunity to pray with them and for them and lead them in prayer, uh, not, you know, really knowing what their background was, but composing a prayer that was inclusive so that we were praying to the same God uh, on different levels, but using terminology that was able to sometimes touch the hearts of those who were there who perhaps never went to church or had any real uh, formal religious education. And uh, oftentimes, a day or two later, they'd make an appointment uh, with me as a chaplain and discuss something I said or something they've been thinking about. And I was able to lead many to Christ that way and also just discuss uh, the power of God and God's place in our lives. A, A slew of people that I otherwise would never have met. During the course of your duties, I know you were stationed in war zones. Uh, Could you tell us where they were and what some of those experiences were like? Yes. Well, my first deployment uh, to a war zone was Afghanistan. And the way that works, George, you're hubbed in a certain forward operating base. For me, it was Jalalabad Air Base. So you're hubbed there, and you serve anywhere from six to eight other forward operating bases. So from your hub, you would fly out to each of these different bases in various parts of Afghanistan and uh, offer mass reconciliation, lots of counseling. And in the course of uh, a six-month deployment, you pretty much would touch the lives of a huge number of people and got to celebrate mass in, in situations such as, I remember once we were in a small, we call them FOBs, forward operating base. Uh, it was called Camdish. And when we were lowering uh, into the, through the woods uh, onto this tiny little FOB, it looked like we were landing on a posted stamp. And so when we climbed out, and found our way through uh, the forward operating base. We found our way to a small hut that the Russians had constructed many years ago that was still standing. And it was kind of built into the dirt and into the ground and uh, leaking all over the place. And I was like, I told my chaplain assistant, we are not gonna be able to celebrate mass in here. (laughs) So we found a small Quonset hut where they repaired the Humvees and there was lighting. There was a little source of heat. So we used the this um, hood of a Humvee as our altar and put a couple candles there and uh, positioned them so they wouldn't slide and uh, put up little flyers because every fob had a printer somewhere. And so we'd print up these flyers letting everyone know we were celebrating Catholic Mass at such, such time, such, such place. And that particular time, 12 people showed up, and I felt like, oh, this is cool. You know, Jesus and the 12 disciples, this is very cool. So, (laughs) yeah, that's just one experience uh, that comes to mind. And then I also served in Balad Air Base in Iraq. And Balad had a huge hospital. And it was almost like, uh, like a scene out of MASH. You know, the siren would go off, and the chaplains and the docs would all suit up, put the flak vest on, the helmet, 
and proceed to the hospital, um, and we would uh, minister to those who were coming in and take care of those who were killed in action as well. And that was very powerful ministry because here you're face-to-face with uh, 19- and 20-year-olds who had lost an arm or, or both arms, a leg or both legs, and writhing in pain, and you would just touch them and, uh, through prayer, and somehow God would work through those prayers to lift them up and to give them renewed hope and to give them a an optimistic view of the future uh, and something they would not otherwise have gotten if it had just been medical treatment. So that was extremely powerful. And we did that day in and day out, and only a few TDYs from there, uh, temporary duties to other locations. But uh, that was uh, extremely powerful. Now, the hospital had a beautiful little chapel, and it's amazing that they would take the time when constructing an air base in Iraq and remember to put in the chapel. And I can distinctly remember one of the hospital commanders. Uh, his name was Colonel Patrick Storms, and he was Catholic. And he would meet with us during the week to practice music for the upcoming weekend mass. And the, the chapel wasn't very large, but when the commander is uh, a part of the service, lots of people come because they want to see, like, what's this guy all about? And, you know, more than just a working relationship. So it was a worship relationship, and the hallway would be full of people. And uh, we had a couple of the docs in the RNs uh, had guitars with them at a deployed location, which always surprised me. And when they weren't able to join us, I remember one weekend we had no uh, other musical instruments, but uh, Colonel Storms had a kazoo. So not only did he lead the music, but he played the kazoo of all instruments. And it, it was really neat. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was an excellent celebration uh, of Holy Eucharist. When you're in a war zone under the constant threat of death, what impact does that have on a person's faith, both both for you and, and the men and women that you were serving? Did you find that some people were seeking out God more intensely, or were there others who were pushing God away at that time? I'd say mostly seeking God intensely, mm-hmm. uh, and for some of that was an understatement, because we we knew that we needed God's strength and courage and assistance and on a daily basis and sometimes from hour to hour. And most people who probably didn't pray much in their civilian lives or uh, at a home base uh, prayed a lot more. So we would have Bible studies and just little prayer groups uh, would form and we would meet usually in the evening and uh, meet at a, you know, uh, agreed upon location so that, uh, you know, we we would get some extra um, strength, spiritual strength uh, during the week. Yeah, we had daily mass as well, and it was always very well attended. And some people would certainly give up, you know, something else they could be doing uh, to attend mass. And that that really was a blessing to me to see these young people practicing their faith. I know that there's a Ranger Rosary effort. They got started right here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore at St. Mary's in Annapolis. And now there are people yeah. all over the countries that make military-style rosaries that are shipped to our servicemen and women. Uh, did you see those rosaries in the field, and, and what did it mean to those who received those gifts 
from people that they didn't even know. Yeah, George, we did receive quite a few rosaries. I didn't know that they were from the Ranger Rosary effort, but we received them from lots and lots of organizations, as well as Bibles, uh, Catholic prayer books, particularly uh, the one by Fulton Sheen was a very popular one. It was small. They could put it in their pocket uh, of their uniform, and, you know, we could just whip it out and pray together uh, wherever we were. But, yes, they that really – those kinds of efforts really make military folks in war zones feel loved because, you know, no one knows who is, is serving there unless you have a family member there. So you're, you're just basically reaching out, offering a spiritual gift to someone, and let's face it, that's not part of government issue anymore. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. kind of you know get these things. So when you receive them from folks back home, uh, it was a huge gift and, and cherished. And I would say just about every Catholic uh, that I ministered to, um, especially in the war zones, always had one in their pocket. We have about a minute left. Uh, could you talk about the service you, you gave uh, to the U.S. Air Force Academy as well? I understand you were a chaplain there to the cadets. Yes. That was really the highlight of my active duty service, uh, mainly because I was so inspired by young Americans. The cadets were between the ages of, let's say, 18 and 25. And to choose that lifestyle, uh, to sacrifice so much, for example, didn't see their families, very limited cell phone use, no partying, no cars at first, and yet they were able to put God first. So many of them did on the Protestant side, the Catholic side. uh, Many Muslims were very devout in practicing their faith. But on the Catholic side, I had so many come to daily Mass, offer to lecture want to be trained as Eucharistic ministers, uh, always there, um, and then weekends as well. And we had religious activities such as retreats and things during the week, but they were so well attended. And it was interesting because of their schedule, we couldn't have Mass early in the morning, so we would have it at 1730, which is 530 p.m., which was dinner time for a lot of them. So many of them would skip dinner to attend Mass and get the Holy Eucharist um, rather than going and having the evening meal. That inspired me. I was so incredibly touched by those uh, young people who were putting God first in their lives. Well, our guest today is Father Tom Gills, a former military chaplain who now serves as a pastor in Western Maryland. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk some more with Father Gills about his service now in Western Maryland. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, 
please visit www.archbalt.org slash accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with a Catholic Review. Pope Francis prayed that President Joe Biden would work to heal the divisions in U.S. society and promote human dignity and peace around the world. Quote, under your leadership, may the American people continue to draw strength from the lofty political, ethical, and religious values that have inspired the nation since its founding. End quote. The Pope wrote in a congratulatory message January 20th as Biden was inaugurated as the 46th President of the United States. Popes traditionally have sent messages and assurances of prayer to a new U.S. president upon his inauguration. Quote, At a time when the grave crisis facing our human family calls for far-sighted and united responses, Pope Francis wrote to Biden, Quote, I pray that your decisions will be guided by a concern for building a society marked by authentic justice and freedom, together with unfailing respect for the rights and dignity of every person, especially the poor, the vulnerable, and those who have no voice. I likewise ask God, the source of all wisdom and truth, to guide your efforts to foster understanding, reconciliation, and peace within the United States and among the nations of the world in order to advance the universal common good, the Pope said. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. I may never have met you. We don't go way back. Maybe we wouldn't even be friends if we did. But when you wear a mask, you have my respect. Because your mask doesn't protect you. It protects me. I wear my mask to protect you. Mask up, America. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matasek. In our last segment, we spoke with Father Thomas Gills about his longtime ministry as a military chaplain. Our conversation continues, looking at Father Gills' new ministry as a pastor in Western Maryland. Father Gills, can you tell us how your transition has gone to civilian life and also where you serve in Western Maryland? Yes, George. I am at St. Peter the Apostle in Oakland, as well as St. Peter at the Lake in McHenry, Maryland. And the transition has gone very well. I was grateful that I had the opportunity to take a sabbatical to give me a sort of buffer from military service to civilian service. And I uh, enjoyed um meeting with the Archbishop and the Director of Personnel uh, at the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And they were very helpful in placing me uh, in the right place and uh, assisting me in making that transition, you know, providing lots of resources uh, to assist in that. 
did you? I'm sure there were some skills that you brought over from your military service that you're bringing now to your role as pastor. Yes, a lot of the leadership skills that I learned as I served in the military uh, have served me well as pastor. I actually uh, had pastored in the past uh, at St. Charles in Pikesville, and so I was just kind of picking up where I left off. But um, I have found it very, very um, beneficial to use the four pillars of wellness that the Air Force kind of drums into you. And that includes the mental, which is basically just approaching uh, life's challenges in a positive way um, and teaches, you know, self-control, maintaining good character, and um, making good choices and actions. And then the physical pillar uh, kind of reminds me to perform and excel in physical activities that include aerobic fitness, um, runner, uh, endurance, strength, flexibility, through exercise, good nutritional habits, and consistent training. Then the social pillar included kind of like developing good relationships, maintaining those you know, trusted and highly valued friendships that are personally fulfilling and uh, based on really good communication. And then the spiritual pillar uh, just requires um, strengthening my own beliefs, using uh, the tools, uh, praying the bravery, uh, using um, the tools that I learned in the military that I was always teaching others, using them and applying them to my own life and uh, practicing uh, spiritual disciplines as a commitment, not just something that I'm interested in when it's convenient. The parachute serve is in one of the most beautiful parts of the state. It's in the westernmost corner of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and you have the mountains there, and you also have Deep Creek Lake, which is beautiful. During part of the season, you have kind of a small parish, but then it really swells with thousands of people coming in for vacation season. How do you balance that? When I arrived here, even though my home is in Little Orleans, which is only an hour and a half east of here, when I arrived here, I, I looked around and I said, wow, Lord God, you really were showing off when you created this area. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes, it is. One of the, it is a beautiful part of our state. We actually have two seasons uh, with uh, high participation from tourists, and that would be the skiing season as well as the summer season. So, uh, and then we have people who just love being here and uh, stay as much, as long as they can and are here a, as much as their schedules permit. So uh, just integrating them into the um, full season uh, parishioners, um, integrating them into the family uh, has been a, a bit of a challenge in that it's hard to uh, get to know them since you don't see them on a consistent basis. But what I really enjoy is uh, having activities that, you know, can bring people together. So, you know, we're developing that. Now, COVID prevented that. Uh, I was only here like seven months when COVID intruded into our lives. And so um, that's all been on hold for a while. But that's something that, that I want to build a bridge uh, between uh, the full-time parishioners and those who are part-time family members and make sure that everybody knows one another and enjoys one another and enjoys worshiping the Lord together. Well, Western Maryland has really been hit hard with the downturn in, in the economy as well. 
there are many industries that have left the region over the last three decades or so. Uh, how does the parish try to support the community at large and give some sense of hope during difficult economic times? Well, we work closely with the community action folks, and uh, we do provide food for families. Uh, we we serve about 80 families every month, and we did it consistently all through uh, the COVID period. So we're here to, uh, we're invitational. We invite them into our family. Uh, many who come for food uh, have no uh, other affiliation with the parish, but I kind of make a point of going out on the parking lot uh, when they're they're in their cars and uh, waiting to be served the food that we provide. And I just get them to roll the window down, maintain social distance, and just chit-chat. And they've gotten to know me, and I've gotten to know them. So that's been very fruitful. And we're, we're just here. We make our presence known, and we're here uh, for them uh, to help with uh, any kind of counseling they may require, child care, food, Etc. The annual summer picnic at your parish is, is really one of the best in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I've been there, and it, it's just so much fun with pie eating contests and all kinds of great stuff. Is mm-hmm. that tradition? Do you hope to continue that after the pandemic? Or is that something that's going to be ongoing? Yes, after the pandemic, we certainly will. And we do have a parishioner who owns the homemade ice cream place here on the lake, <laughs> and mm-hmm. every year he provides that homemade ice cream, and that's a big draw. Yeah, but everybody everybody um, participates and contributes uh, to the picnic, which you know makes it the gala affair that it is. So yes, we are definitely going to continue that tradition. Yeah, it's a it's a great time. Well, Father Tom yeah. Gills, thank you so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. It has been my pleasure, George. Thank you for asking me. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead... Let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.